Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. This is it. The peak of your day. It's all downhill from here. I was like, <laughs> is he going to go like date setting on this is, it's now. Jesus the is time. coming back this afternoon. It is. 2.42. It is the last hour. That's right. It is. It's a long hour. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess that's, that's timely to, uh, to conceive of these things. And we've been talking about it a lot in the podcast recently. And surely you, uh, if you've ventured on into the, the realm of, of X formerly Twitter, or I don't, are we ever going to not call it that? I think that's just what its name is now. Mm, um, it's like yeah. the artist formerly known as Prince. It's like the social media app formerly known as Twitter. Um, or like Twitter. you've ventured onto a news website or whatever. You, you see all the things happening all over the place and, uh, it, it causes us to ask the questions. And I think, you know, even before the rockets are fired towards Israel last week or whenever the start of all this was, it's the last hour, right? I mean, that's what John says. And that's what we were talking about most recently is that the next thing to happen on the redemptive historical timeline is the return of Christ for the church is the rapture. It's imminent, meaning it could happen at any moment at any time. We're not waiting for anything else to, to occur. There's no sign that we need to take place beforehand. It could happen before the end of this episode. And so uh, it is the last hour. We need to be ready. I agree. Yeah. It would be it would be becoming of the church to, as you were saying the last time, to hasten his return uh, prayerfully, uh, providentially by reaching out to the lost. I mean, we were just talking about that. Uh, we're talking about Hill Country, yep. uh, Compass Bible Church, New Braunfels. Uh, they're doing such a great job reaching the lost. They have the body weight to sustain it. Believers, mature believers who are doing the work of reaching out to those who don't know Christ. Right. And that's one way that we hasten the return of the Lord. So if you know anybody who needs to know Christ, Maybe pray for that person. Maybe talk to that person. Maybe invite them to your church at the same huh. time. We're going to be talking about some of that this Sunday, actually. Oh. Yep. John three sixteen again? Nope. 17 through 21. Oh. But praying for uh, praying for the lost in the world. That's great. Yeah. Timely. Yep. Super helpful. Well, we're glad that you are with us. You're, we're glad that you're joining us for, uh, for another episode that we are going to be tackling our Old Testament reading of Jeremiah 3 and 4, and then our New Testament reading of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's jump into Jeremiah chapter 3. Um, splash. Splash. <laughs> I cannonballed. Yeah. Uh, chapter three is dealing with the the faithlessness of Israel. In fact, there's a word that's repeated throughout this chapter and really it continues on in Jeremiah as well. But it, it shows up time and time again here. Do you know the word, Pastor Rod? Did it jump off to you too? Was it the W word? It's not the W word. Okay, that one is that there. One, that one popped out to me several times so far. That, yeah, that one is there. He he likes that word. I yeah. think of the song that, what's his name, wrote a long time ago, who now presents Derek himself Webb. as a girl. Yes, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, Wedding Sorry. Dress is the name of that song. Yes. It was a good song. Yeah. And at then, the time, yeah. And then it's he, just, it rubbed me funny at that point because it's just so... It's abrasive. Know, it's abrasive. That's a good word for yeah. it. And yeah, interesting that now he's kind of living out the, the lyrics of that song. Yeah. Yeah. He's running down the aisle wearing a dress, no less. Right. <laughs> right. Right. No, it's not that word. It's the word treacherous. Oh, okay. That's a good one. And I think it jumped out to me because we, it's not a word that we often use like, oh man, that driver was so treacherous on the road today. <laughs> that, that waiter I had was just treacherous. 
Um, it's a it's a unique word. It's not one that we often employ in our everyday vernacular, and it's a word that uh, when you look it up, the the original word there in the Hebrew actually has to do with the concept of faithlessness, and yeah, so it fits the context here. Yeah, uh, because really Isaiah and in God through Isaiah is framing Israel's problem as God so often does with the concept of sexual immorality and paralleling that with their idolatry. Uh, in fact, he says there, "You have played the and there's the W word there, parents, uh, with many lovers, and you would return to me." Um, and, and God's asking it, who, what human is there that would allow for that? And in the back of my mind, I've got, I don't know if you had this too, Pastor Rod, but Hosea is just playing over 100%, and over again. hundred percent. I have a couple of Hosea references in my notes here. I'm like, oh, here's something from Hosea. Yeah. Yeah. Book of Hosea is built upon this very premise and we'll get there in our daily Bible podcast, but uh, it's, it's here introduced that Israel has played the harlot. Israel has committed adultery uh, with the other lovers in the land, so to speak, meaning the other nations and their God. And she is is betrothing herself to them while uh, being betrothed to God. God is the one that is her true and faithful husband. And yet she has been uh, going out and joining herself to these others and and brazenly, too. And that's what strikes me here is and and it does so many times in these opening chapters. She's unrepentant. Israel is not uh, sorrowful for her sin. She is Mm. not contrite. Um, Mm. She's refused to be ashamed. Verse three, she's uh, done all the evil that you could. Verse five, Um, startling and uh, and, and appalling in the indictment that God opens with here in chapter three. Yeah. And I think one of the the things that stands out is the fact that uh, we we read this and it's like, oh, yeah, that's true for them. And this is this is just as true for us, even though we're not Israel, we're not Judah. Our treachery, our faithlessness does look different, but. I think the Lord still has that that inner sense of, I, I hate this. This is awful. Granted, it's different. We're in a different covenant, diff- different dispensation. Our relationship with God is unique because of our, our connection with and through Christ. But nevertheless, uh, I would take a, a good look at your life and say, in what ways am I perhaps being faithless to the Lord? Is there any way in which I'm partaking stuff that the world offers, uh, enjoying the idols that the world says are good and, and, and right? And in that way, am I being faithless to Christ? I mean, what letter would Paul write to America? I, I always I see those on on X, Twitter, Twitter yeah. X. I think it's going to be funny because uh, I think if if Paul were to write something to us, it would be it'd be devastating. He'd oh. have a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah, I would. So examine your own heart. Yeah, we're going to talk about that this Sunday as well out of John chapter three, because there's the idea of the light and the darkness. And John says the people love the darkness rather than the light. They didn't want to come to the light because their their deeds were evil and they didn't want their deeds exposed. And the contrast there is those that are genuine believers, as John understands belief in the gospel, they do come to the light and they bring their deeds to the light, the the good deeds that God may get the glory, but even our, our evil deeds, because we don't want them to be part of our life. We want to repent of them. We want to get rid of them. We want to have, like you were just talking about, we want to look at our lives and say, man, is there anything, is there darkness in my life that God would hate? I want to, I want to get rid of that. Um, yeah. Chapter three continues with the comparison of, uh, of the Northern kingdom and the Southern kingdom and, uh, Israel, the Northern tribes had been rejected by God already. And, and we've, we've studied that in, in Isaiah, the, the downfall of Israel at the hands of Assyria, um, that they had committed adultery with God through joining themselves to other nations and, and, uh, and worshiping these false gods and these false idols. And here, uh, Jeremiah says, look, Judah, you've learned from your sister, your treacherous, your faithless sister to do 
the same things. And here you are, and you're doing them all again. And so in verse 11, the Lord said to me, faithless Israel has shown herself even more righteous than Judah, um, than treacherous Judah. So the, the problems facing Judah were even greater uh, and, and, and more uh, severe than those that were facing uh, Israel in the north. And so God says, so in other words, Jeremiah, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to go to the north. I want you to go to the, the northern tribe, turn away from Judah and, and proclaim to those in the north, hey, return. And there's this offer of repentance that God makes here. Acknowledge your guilt, verse 13, return, faithless children. I will bring you back to Zion. I will bring you back to my city there. I will give you shepherds after my own heart. We, we get a glimpse of the millennial kingdom here in verses 15 through 18. Um, Jerusalem will be called the throne of the Lord. The nation shall gather to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. So here's this forward-looking glimpse and, and, and anticipation that, that the wrongs will be righted. But this is a, a slap in the face to Judah for God to tell Jeremiah, hey, turn and, and, and offer this to the north. Offer this to the, to the kingdom of Israel instead of the kingdom of Judah. Which suggests also that the north is not they're not done. Like right. the, even though they're dispersed and even though they've been taken captive and you, you, you hear today about the, the scattered tribes of Israel, we don't know where they are and who they are totally. Um, God knows who they are. It's no problem for God to say, I'm going to call my tribes back and I know who they are. I, I will reestablish their, their lineage. I will reestablish the covenant. So this is encouraging because even though they're dispersed, God still knows and he's going to reassemble them. Yeah. Yeah. 22, the call again, return, O faithless ones. I will heal your faithlessness. Truly in the Lord, our God is the salvation of Israel. And we've talked about it before. Uh, when is that going to be fulfilled? That's going to be f- fulfilled in the millennial kingdom and really the, the purging through the uh, time of Jacob's trouble, the, the tribulation as well, that is going to bring back the the faithful, the true, as Paul says it, not all Israel is true Israel. True Israel will be all saved through uh, that time and through God's uh, work in their lives. I'll look at the second part of verse 22. Behold, we come to you for you are the Lord, our God. Truly the hills are delusion. The orgies on the mountains truly in the Lord. Our God is the salvation of Israel. There is a hint at their future restoration. There's repentance there, right? Which is the whole call. Shuv, return. Oh, faithless ones. And they're like, yep, here we are. Right. Not right. yet future future looking but that's the that's the implication right yeah this is a i i don't think this is anyone presently saying this i think this is a, a hypothetical repentance that will become a real repentance yeah during that time chapter four then if you return O israel then return genuinely is is the idea here if you're going to come back make sure that it's legitimate uh, verse three, the Lord says to the men of Judah in Jerusalem in the south there, break up your fallow ground and sow not among your thorns. Pastor Rod, how's your fallow ground doing in your backyard? Man, I am making my fallow ground as useful as possible. <laughs> I am watering it every day. Yeah. Dude, Hosea ten twelve. I thought, so when I read this, I thought of Hosea. Yeah. This is one of those passages that I thought about. Hosea ten twelve says almost the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fallow, it, it, again, talk about a word we don't use very often. Uh, go over to your neighbor's yard and be like, hey, this looks pretty fallow. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. Fallow ground was, was ground that had given had been taken out of the crop cycle for a period of time. Uh, the farmers would do it to give rest to the land. You've heard that concept before. They would do it to uh, to uh, allow the land to recover, and then they would go back. and In order for the, the the fallow ground to be made ready again, it had to be broken up. It had to be plowed over again. It had to be tilled up. It had to to be prepared to uh, bear fruit again. And so that's why uh, the Lord is saying through Isaiah to the people in Judah, break up your fallow ground, the fallow ground of your hearts, make your hearts ready to bear fruit. Uh, your repentance in coming back to me needs to go further than just the words that you're saying. There's an internal problem that needs to be dealt with. Verse four, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, remove the foreskin of your hearts. This is an internal issue uh, that they need to be coming back in, in genuine uh, repentance there. Uh, and if, if, 
not, then what's going to happen? You're going to be judged because if you don't do this, my wrath will go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's the solution, right? This is not all. Yes. God is is prophesying through Isaiah, the, the, the future judgment, but it's not all doom and gloom. This is a war. In fact, Isaiah is going to say, I'm a warning. I'm a warning. Be warned, be warned. There's an element here where there's still an opportunity. There's still this call for, uh, repentance. And yet, um, the disaster is going to come and that's verses five and following from the north. This is going to be Babylon. I'm going to bring disaster from there. A lion has gone up from his thicket. A destroyer of nations has set out. Uh, This is, uh, this is a frightening scene. When you look at this, um, I was even thinking about just the, the scenes that have been described of what took place with the terrorists when they invaded Israel and the, the horrific things that were done and mm. to families and their homes and stuff. And your heart breaks and you think about that and you just think, man, that is terrifying to think of that happening. And yet Romans two, five should be more terrifying that for those that don't know the Lord, for those that, that aren't in relationship with Christ, for those that aren't saved, they're presently storing up wrath for themselves on the day of judgment, because that day is going to be greater than a foreign nation coming in and doing horrific things and in committing all kinds of atrocities against any group of people. That day is going to be the day where the full wrath of God is unleashed on sinners for all of it eternity at that point. And so I, I, I think that I was just reminded of that, that concept is so easy for us to tangibly think of evil acts done against people and to think, man, that's horrible or that's terrifying. That's frightening. Is God's wrath just in general, that frightening and that terrifying for us. Right. And I think part of the, the, the effects that this should have on us, even as new Testament Christians is to read this and say, Lord, protect us, guard us, yeah. keep us from, from, uh, from doing anything which would offend you, from from being blinded to our own sin, to being so hard-hearted. Uh, there is a point of no return. Yeah. And we don't know where that is, and, and we certainly don't want to play around those lines and see how far we can get with our sin before God says, okay, you're done. I'm going to let mm-hmm. you have your sin, and mm-hmm. you're going to enjoy the, the consequences of that. Uh, we need to be sensitive. I mean, this, this gets back to our conversation about fearing God. Um, we look at the American church. We probably, I could say fairly confidently, we don't fear God. As a, as a church in 2023, and I'm talking corporately, not Compass Bible Church in particular, as a church, we do not fear God. Right. We treat him lowly. We talk about him in ways that sound more like our girlfriend and not our God. Mm. We talk about him in ways that convey smallness. We even use the wrong gender to identify him. Mm. Mother God as opposed to Father God, uh, some denominations or so-called denominations will do. We will we'll, we'll, we'll treat him as though, I mean, Jesus is my homeboy. Those, those bobbleheads that you put on top of your car dashboard yeah. stupid things like that inane things that we tolerate as a church man if jeremiah were writing a letter to us or paul i think he would have a lot to say in terms of our repentance and to say you better be careful yeah you are stepping on a potential landmine and the explosion of judgment that you would incur would be well warranted yeah. let the church take heed god is not a god to be trifled with yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. And Jeremiah shocked by this in verses nine through 11, similar to Habakkuk. He's saying, yeah, how, how can these things be? Uh, but God has been clear and he continues to be clear in the rest of this chapter. He continues to say Babylon's going to come like an approaching storm. You're going to see the clouds coming like, like an approaching storm. That's going to create that fear. He wants the people to know exactly why this is happening. And that's why time and time again, he, he continues to come back and say, because of your sinfulness, verse 17, uh, they rebelled against me. She has rebelled against me. That's why you your ways, your deeds have brought this upon you. And so God is is making it clear through Jeremiah so that no one would step back and say, why is this happening? God, why me? Why 
why us? Why your people? He's being abundantly clear through this, but also abundantly clear with the solution. The solution back in 14. Oh, Jerusalem, wash your heart from evil that Shoot. you may be saved. Yeah, repent. How long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? The answer is not external conformity. They tried that. That's why God kept saying to you, to them, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your empty idol or your empty worship and offerings. It's not on the surface. It's deeper than that. You've got a heart problem. You need to repent, which is dealing with sin internally. And if they would do that, uh, there would be mercy shown to them. In spite of that, even there's mercy shown to them. In verse 27, he's not going to make a full end. Despite all of the sinfulness of the people of God, he's going to preserve his remnant because of his plan and for his glory. Amen. Well, let's flip over uh, to our New Testament reading as we finish up the book, 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 3. Um, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. I was thinking about that. What does it look like for the word of the Lord to be honored? As Paul was talking about his ministry here, he wanted his his ministry to be marked by, as he proclaimed the word, for not him as much to be honored, but the word to be honored. And so what does that look like? I think it, we can safely say responding in accordance with what God's word is, is calling us to. The way we honor the word is to, as we often teach our kids from the time that they're growing up, is to listen and obey. Um, that's that's how the word is honored. And so when we think about that in our church, because that would be our prayer as well, that the word of the Lord would be honored within the walls of Compass Bible Church. Uh, what does that look like? That means for us to be a church that has ears to hear and and also does it to be both the hearer and the doer of the word of God and, and to listen and obey. And so I just reminded that of that there. And then also in verse four, that we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. Again, that's that's our desire there, not because we're commanding our own wisdom, but because what we teach and the authority that we have as pastors is to commend to you the word of God. And so that's our desire for our church there uh, in keeping with what Paul's was for the, the Thessalonians there in the beginning of chapter three. Yeah, we'd love it if you take that and put it in an index card or however you track your prayers and pray that for Compass North Texas. Yeah, amen to that. He goes on to talk about those that are idle. And and I think this is worth our, our attention because he, he it really comes down pretty hard on the those that are idle or lazy in the church, those that are refusing to work. He says, you know, if somebody's not willing to work, let them not eat. This is the person that's really just looking for the handout. This is the person uh, not who's been rendered incapable of supporting themselves. I think that's a, a different situation there, but this is the person who can support themselves and is choosing not to support themselves. And Paul says that there's something unbiblical about that. The, 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 resources that are gods should not be used to facilitate and enable a lack of discipline in somebody's life and an idleness. Now you may remember back in first Thess chapter five, he said with the, the idol were to admonish the idol here. He's saying have nothing to do with them. So what gives why the difference there? I think what we have here is somebody that is, is persisting in their idleness, They're walking in idleness. Versus. Exactly. And that's the, what he says there. So it's an ongoing pattern of their life. This is not somebody who has a season of idleness that when they're admonished, they respond genuinely in repentance and, and forsake that and turn around and, and pursue the things that are good. No, this is somebody that is persisting in this. And, and there's a point church discipline wise, where you get to the point where you say, I'm going to have nothing to do with this person. Wasn't that interesting to PJ? You, you tend to think about church discipline exercise in the realms of like, Oh, the big sins, the really serious mm -hmm. ones, man, Paul's pulling out all the stops here and saying, you need to discipline even idleness in your midst, which let's use a modern word. We probably don't tend to use idle too much, but we, we can say laziness. Yep. We talk about people that are lazy and, and maybe sometimes we look at certain people and say, man, that guy's lazy or that, that woman is lazy. Paul says laziness, even laziness, something as small, 
and I'm using quotes here, small as laziness, is something Paul says, look, this could be toxic for a church. <laughs> Speaking of toxicness here, uh, it's, a, it's a word that has a, a different meaning today, but there is a, a kind of toxic, a cancerous effect that all sin has on the life of the church. And so he's getting serious about it. Rid yourselves of the sins that have an effect on the body. And that would include things as small as laziness. Yeah. Yeah. In contrast, uh, verse 13, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Um, that we, we are, are not to be lazy. We are not to be slothful. We are not to be idle. Uh, instead, we always have something that we need to be pursuing, always have something that we need to be doing in our lives. And that is characterized here as, as that which is good. Well, what is good? Well, ultimately, God is the definition of all that is good. But we know through his word what it looks like to pursue that which is good. And so uh, this is a call to uh, to live out our faith through the, again, as we talked about at the very beginning of this section here, um, uh, honoring the word of the Lord, listening to it, doing it, putting it into practice, and making sure that we are uh, living lives that are pleasing to him um, until he kills us or calls us home. That's right. I just saw a quote recently for J. Oswald Sanders, his book, uh, Spiritual Leadership. Yep. He said, tiredness is the price you pay for leadership. Mm. And that uh, well-restedness, something like that, is the price that you pay for mediocrity, <laughs> which you'll preach, man. And I think uh, there, there, is, there is a balance here. I think, obviously, you can wear yourself ragged and, and not abide in Christ and have this, uh, this attitude of, I just got to pound this out. I don't think right. that's where Paul's getting at here. But there is a sense in which most of the time, we need to be prodded to do the things that we know we want to do and should do. I don't know if, what your tendency is. Um, Pastor PJ or anyone else who's listening, whether you tend to be the one who really exercises a type A mentality, running really hard all day, every day, versus the one who takes a lot of rest, wherever you are in the spectrum, there is a, there is a dare I say, a balance, a, a happy place where Paul says, look, we, we ought to work really, really hard. And really, really hard is going to be, it's going to look different in different seasons. But notice here what Paul says in verse eight, we toil and labor uh, night and day. This was not just, oh, on my, my six or eight hours on my work. This is like, this is my life, man. I work hard because yeah. I love you guys. And when love is the driving force of our efforts, that's the sweet spot. When it's compelled by people pleasing or when there's some external motivation that's less than love, you're going to find it to be incredibly exhausting. But when love drives you, that's the sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. Love. Yeah. And just that awareness of eternity. I, I, man, I'm, I, Satan's such a master at getting us to zoom in on the things that are temporal rather than to remember the things that are eternal so easy right yeah it's easy to see those things yeah yeah well and as we started i mean we are in the last hour and so we need to use our time wisely and, and paul even talks about let, let's make wise use of our time because the days are evil uh and so let's let's do that christians let's live this out let's not be idle let's keep on pressing on after the lord let's ask him even for wisdom as we were just talking about there to, to be able to find that balance because it's hard uh, and to know how much to push and when to pull back and uh we pray that you'll find that and be able to do that and do that well. And we pray that also you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See you then. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.